Get the new Donkey Kong 64 bundle with the Banana Yellow Game Pack and the new Jungle Green N64 console. It's got a Jungle Green controller and comes with the... Or see what we can say. We will walk through walls. We will take a look around us. We will not be confined. We believe in the path of least limits. We won't be told how to view the world. We will experience true freedom. We will not compromise. We will live the game through our hands. We will be in control of something. We will change the system. Ferret 64 with your host, Yemi the Ferret. podcast what is up everybody i'm yummy the ferret here and uh, with me as always is um me myself and i and randy how's everyone doing today i'm doing pretty good hello coco and hello there how you both doing today hope you're both doing excellently um i'm doing all right i'm doing all right can't can't complain i suppose um long day of work had a bit of a minor headache all day but just chilling out here zen and we're and we're beating coco yeah we're beating coco exactly so i hope everyone is is having a fine fine day uh big news um we've been signing we signed papers today so uh you know that paperwork's getting all through for the for the place that i am here right now and we are also pretty much approved to move into the new place on friday we get the keys on thursday so like i said this past few weeks um i probably will be taking a step back from streaming while we move and get situated but i should be back by monday uh wednesday at the latest at the latest but yeah next time you guys see me we'll be in a new place obviously as you guys have probably noticed less and less things are around me because what do you know <laughs> uh where we've been boxing up things i pretty much boxed up all of my point redemption stuff um so i, th I think i forgot to turn them off but if it's something that's tangible like drawing psycho mass stuff like that i won't be able to do it for you because it's all packed away now and after actually the stream i'm gonna be packing away my camera probably my second monitor my my streaming stuff it's all gonna be packed away as well so as i said um probably won't be seeing me until probably next thursday at the earliest i don't know it depends on how fast we move in maybe i'll do like something on sunday but there's gonna be a lot of setup and a lot of things to do um just in the in every room so it, it probably like i said it's probably at, at latest it's probably gonna be wednesday but you know uh, monday is what i'm shooting for that's what i'm shooting for um the internet and stuff like that is supposed to be installed thursday morning as long as no hiccups happen that sh so that should all be good that was the thing that i was most worried about 
because when I originally moved into my current home, the condo here, uh, we didn't have internet for two weeks, and that was, that sucked. <laughs> it sucked a lot. But, uh, so this time, I called ahead a long time ahead, and I said, this is when we're moving in, this is when I want you to be there, and they were like, yep, we can do that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we're gonna be starting the move stuff on Friday. Well, actually, we're doing, like, some smaller things on Thursday, more, on Thursday afternoon, night, and, uh, Wednesday morning, we were, um, just gonna start the big move, and that should be done within that day. We have our truck rented. And then Saturday and Sunday will probably just be unbo unboxing things, putting things where you want them to be. Um, we have a few things that we want to, you know, buy early on. And then of course, um, there's some things that I'm waiting on. Like I'm, I'm gonna be getting a new desk. If you, I mean, you, you guys have probably not seen pictures of this desk, but it's an old desk that my sister used, and before my sister, it was my father's desk, and it was given to me when I, I went, uh, like, I think in middle school. And ever since then, it's been my desk. It's not too big. It's, I mean, you know, it's, 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 I'm just, I'm outgrowing it myself. I need a bigger desk, especially for if I want more things around me. And then, uh, as I, as I, I've probably not mentioned it on live stream, but we're going to have like, we're going to be putting like shelves behind me and stuff like that. Uh, we're hopefully going to be putting some pictures and stuff like that um, just for my background and streaming because I don't like using a green screen. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the green screen type thing. I like, I like being like this because I'm a human being. I'm not just a freaking green screened person, you know, and I like showing off my stuff or, you know, having posters in the background, stuff like that. So that's just, that's just, uh, that's how uh, I'm planning it. Um, like I said, uh, I'm, I still have some things in the works for, like, videos to upload, so I'll still be putting out content, technically. Like, this weekend there's a new Film Freaks, but, um, I won't be streaming. That's, that's the one thing. So we'll continue Freedom Finger, um, probably Monday, and then, um, Wednesday we'll do a podcast again, and then we'll probably get to a normal routine. And the nice thing is, since we have, we'll have our own place, we'll have our own washing machines, drying machines, stuff like that, I will be able to stream for longer on Saturdays, um, and I'll probably, I'll pro I'm, I may add an extra day or something like that if, if I'm feeling it. It's one of those things that I just, I just you know, I don't want to do too much, because then it's like, oh, you know, like uh, on YouTube when I was like streaming every day or putting out content every day, I started to hate it. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. I don't want to push myself. Um, but uh, I think that we're definitely going to stream longer on Saturdays in general. We'll probably be streaming most of the day. Um, and uh, we'll be doing normal size streams during the week. Hello, Marie. How are you doing today? Yes, thank you for all the good lucks. Um, there's just a few things left that we need to do to the place that, you know, we want. Like, we're going to probably put in a new fence because the fence that's there right now is... Kind of shitty. Thank you for the host, Chronoside. Thank you so much. No screen, BG. Chrono is doing the opposite where he should show off his collection. I mean, he didn't have a green screen on yesterday, so... <laughs> um, okay, so let's go ahead and start with our first topic today, which is something I've been yearning to talk about, which has been keeping me up at night. Um, and that is Dark Souls 2. Um, as you guys know, I've been working through Dark Souls 2 for the past uh, few weeks. We did a few live streams of it just to...
do like little bonus streams that I call them. And um, it's one of those games that I knew I didn't want to stream 100% because I kind of like to play these games at my own leisure. I did end up completing it uh, last weekend or during... Well, maybe it was during this... Was it... I forget what it was. I think it was Saturday I completed it um, on my own. And I, uh, that means completing it, I, I saw the credits um, and then I was able to do a new game plus. Which I didn't do yet because I still have some things I want to do in my current game. Um, but I'm... Like... Oh my gosh, I'm not like super happy with the game, but I am glad that I played it. That's that's the thing. I am glad that I played the game and beat the game. Because this is one of those games that I started back after Dark Souls 3 came out, and I was starting to get really into Souls-like games. And I started after uh, Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne, and I p tried to play it like I played Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne, which is jumping around, dodging, etc, etc. And that's not how you're supposed to play Dark Souls 1, 2. Um, you might even say, you know, Dark Souls 3 can also be played with the way that you're supposed to play uh, this game. Dark Souls 3 gives you a lot more options for what you want to do. If you want to be someone who dodges, if you want to be a parry god, if you want to be a shield tank, you can do it in Dark Souls 3. In Dark Souls 2, though, Yes, you can do, like, a magic build, which is overpowered, right? Oh, uh, there, as you can see in my in my stam, there's a stamina bar and a health bar, but there's no magic bar, which was in Demon Souls, Dark Souls 1, and Dark Souls 3. Um, and I think there's a similar bar in Bloodborne as well. This game does not have that, which means that you can spam magic attacks for as long as you want, as long as your stamina bar holds up. So, in... in so... Some bosses won't even touch you. Like, the, the, I, I, when I was fighting the Smelting Demon, which is the boss that gave me the most um, aggravation during my playthrough, I called in a, um, a friendly person. An, uh, not an AI, it was actually a real person, and he was using a magic build. And he never got hit once during the battle because he just he baited the Smelting Demon to do some attacks. He backed off, and then he just shot magic arrows at him. And he could just do that the whole time, even though I was helping, of course. I'm not just standing in the back going, oh, here's my Estus flask, glug, glug, glug. No, like, I was I was actually helping and, and getting hits on him, but I was getting hit myself while he was just kind of lazy, you know, he was just easy going because he was using magic. So maybe that's the way you may want to play the game, and that's fine, and that's, I mean, you know, whatever, you know, I don't care. The way that I played the game, though, is I chose a tank build for the first time ever in a Dark Souls game. And what I found was the game was incredibly easy with the tank build. You could you could take a few hits, you could block pretty much every move that comes at you as long as it's not magic-based. And uh, yeah, you hit really hard, and you can also take a hit as well. Uh, Dark Souls 2 is the black sheep of the series. Um, I guess you could say that. I want to be a powerful archer that shoots all kinds of swords, spears, and arrows. Well, I guess you could do that. So, my main gripe with the game, um, I think that, I think that the overall, overall, the overall experience is kind of lame. I, I really do feel that way. There's a few areas in the game that will give you more trouble than others, simply because the lead up to the boss fight is worse than the actual boss fight itself. So, as an example, the area that I just walked through right now on the live stream, in the, in the VOD that I'm showing... There are like a bunch of guys who can attack you 
and if you're not careful they'll all attack you at the same time and it'll be a, a huge fight like you'll 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 probably die because there's just so many of them and they're so aggressive the way that you can cheese it is by baiting each each of the enemies to come one at a time and that's way easier obviously the lead up to this to this chariot fight is one of the hardest lead ups in the entire game but that doesn't mean that the boss fight is any harder than uh, than the first boss fight in the game. Like, I died here because the lead-up to the boss fight is still pretty... Like, even though I'm in the boss fight arena, the lead-up to getting to the boss fight is still kind of tricky. Because you got to take out all these skeletons and they, they come back to life and stuff like that. But the actual boss fight itself, which I will, I'm going to show you right now... All you got to do is pull a lever and it destroys the chariot and then you fight the horse. The, the horse is a big pushover. Easy to dodge his moves. Easy to kind of just go around, you know, not worrying about what it's doing. All you got to worry about is where you are on the map. And essentially, all you got to do is step left, and you can literally win any any fight in this game. There's only There was only a few boss fights where I couldn't just step to the left, and then I was safe. Example. The area leading up to the rotten guy, which is just a collaboration of a bunch of human bodies into a big dude, and he has a big butcher's axe. Right? Essentially, the lead-up to that fight is the worst thing in this entire game. Because the whole way you're going to the boss fight, and there's no shortcuts, you're being shot at by poison arrows. Which do so much poison damage that if you haven't upgraded your poison resistance, you will be poisoned in one hit. I was poisoned in two hits, even though I had dumped uh, leveling souls into the poison resistance. So, it's one of those areas that that, that just really sucks. And also, there's enemies who attack to attack you who are very um, who are very aggressive. And there's also a dark spirit that invades your world almost every time you go through the area. And leading up to the boss fight is like harder than the actual boss fight itself, but. The, the rotten boss was a boss that I couldn't just sidestep, go around behind them, and just wail on them like a lot of the other bosses. He actually had a lot of wide sweeping attacks and an axe that came down and stuff like that. So learning his moves was paramount to winning the fight. But you could still kind of do it at a at your own pace because the the fight, even though the arena is kind of kind of difficult, the fight itself he really doesn't have that many moves. Another example of terrible boss design is the, um, the, the, it's like in a church and there's like a priest in the middle and he has like a bunch of regular enemies surrounding him. And the regular enemies count towards a boss meter of their own. And the main dude isn't even that difficult to fight in the first place. I forget what it's called, but I think it's like the congregation in some, or something like that. The, it wasn't even a boss. I don't even. I, I can't even say that it's a boss fight because it's literally just a room full of regular enemies, and there's one guy who's supposedly a boss, and he goes down in just as many hits as a regular enemy. Another example of a terrible boss fight in the game is the Dragon Rider. The Dragon Rider initially is not a bad boss fight, but what makes him a a bad boss is the fact that they bring him back so many times during the game. Not only are there two separate boss fights where you fight the same character, official boss fights, there's also over 10 instances where the Dragon Rider himself is in the area and you must fight him again 
I didn't count them, but it felt like a lot. And there's actually one area where the Dragon Rider will keep respawning <laughs> after you they defeat failed. him. So essentially, the Dragon Rider is just a buffed up regular enemy, and you fight him in two separate boss fights, and you fight him in mini boss fights throughout the game as well. They do this again with other bosses in the game, like the horse boss we just fought, where they just have a cathedral area, and there's nothing in there except for this horse is sitting there waiting to attack you. Same thing with the dual guardian or whatever it was, the guy with two bodies, one side is clubs, one side is short swords, who we actually fought during the same livestream. He actually shows up later in the game as well as just like a mini boss, and he has the same amount of health, he has the same moves, but the area you fight him in is a little bit easier, and you can literally do the same tactics that you already did to him in the boss fight. It's one of those things where it's like use a little bit more imagination. If you're just gonna, if you're just gonna plop bosses randomly throughout the game, mini bosses throughout the game, what's the point of having actual boss fights, especially for these characters who are just regular enemies in the game? I swear to you, count how many times you know you find the d the dragon rider in this game. Both of the times you fight him, the first time you fight him is actually kind of a, you know, it's a little fun boss fight. There's a, it's a small arena, the guy's big, he has sweeping attacks, but he is easy to get around because he's very slow. Same thing with the second fight, it's it's pretty much the same thing, except one dragon rider's shooting arrows at you, and the other one's doing the same moves as the other guy. But that doesn't really make a difference, because the archer guy barely did anything to me when I fought him, and as soon as the archer guy came to the ground, he died in like three hits, because he had no health. I was so upset because I'm like, this fight could have been a lot better if you just had a different enemy or had them actually be a challenge. They're like, to be honest with you guys, this Dark Souls game is not too big of a challenge. Literally any build you want to choose, besides from like a rolling build, you'll have such an easy time with it. Literally, almost every single boss that I could, I immediately just circled around behind them because they... I don't know, they were doing a big move and they were slow. I just circled around behind them, what wailed on them a few times, then circled swamp? around again. Ooh, thank you for the subscription. Greedy Waffles, tier one at seven months. Thank you so much, I really appreciate that, Greedy Waffles. You are amazing, that's right. Um, uh, attention, Ferret Nation. Greedy Waffles is amazing. There you go. Um, so when, once we get back, Greedy, we'll do your uh, free redemptions for you if you want. Um, that'll, that will be probably next week. Um, so just keep in mind what you want. But let's get back to Dark Souls, right? Dark Souls 2... Like I said, it's very easy to get around these boss fights. There are actually a few boss fights that um, gave me a little bit of trouble. And I'll tell you which ones they are. There's two separate dragon boss fights. One of them is called, like, the Caged Dragon or something like that. The only reason it's difficult is because this dragon will constantly fly in the air and shoot fire around the arena, which is usually a one or two shot kill. The other boss fight is called the Ancient Dragon, and he's only difficult because he flies up into the air and does a massive fire wave all throughout the area. And if you run, but if you run towards his tail when he goes up into the air, you can actually dodge it pretty easily. Now, easily, um, you know, you need, to, you need to run pretty fast and pretty quickly to dodge it. Um, but, I was, he, he, and he's mostly difficult because he has a lot of health and you can only really hit his feet if you are using a melee build like myself. But, even then, I, I mean, after I learned that you could escape 
his fire breath by just running towards his tail, I was able to defeat him in one go after the initial three tries of doing whatever, you know? So, those are the two that probably gave me the most a grievance. Also, the Smelting Demon is actually a pretty difficult fight as well. I did get through him, like I said, with a co-op player, um, but I could see myself beating that with enough trial and error. The only thing is, the lead-up to the Smelting Dragon sucks ass. As I've already said, some of the bosses are harder or easier than the lead-up to the boss fight. Well, this boss fight is probably about as hard as the lead-up to the fight. There's a lot of enemies you need to kill. So, essentially, the Smelting Demon was very aggressive, had very wide attacks. He actually does constant damage to you at because he heats up. Um, it was a, actually a pretty good fight. Alright, probably one of my favorite fights in the series. Or not in the series, but in this game, right? The fight we're doing right here called the Royal Rat Authority was actually a pretty fun fight too. A lot of people don't like this fight because of the fact that it seems like just a reskin version of a character or a boss from Dark Souls 1. Uh, me personally, I felt like he was different enough, but he wasn't really too bad of a challenge. The, really, the hardest part about this boss was the amount of poison damage that the little dudes do to you at the beginning, which can really make your health go down fast. So, I've been really wanting to talk about this game for a while, like, in depth like this, because I really, I just, I have a lot of grievances about this game. Not only are the areas uninspired, but the story is also uninspired as well. So many of the Dark Souls games and Souls-like games have a really nice story to them in the background that you can actually follow along as you go through. Dark Souls 3 has tons of extra added lore just by meeting characters, um, sending them to your shrine, uh, you know, fighting different demons and reading some backstory to some of the items that they give you. And it really has a really nice back, back, background lore to it. This game... It doesn't really have anything like that. I that that I can really see. I mean, the main the main thing is like killing the the ver this this king, who, it, you know, was corrupted and and undead, which is is exactly what you are right now. You're undead. So every time you die, you lose a bit of health on your bar, and it gets shorter and shorter. And you need to use humanity to regain your health back. So the story takes. Is, is pretty bad in this one. And like I said, the areas are also pretty uninspired as well. You go to Dark Souls, there's so many beautiful locations. Same thing with Dark Souls 3 and, and Bloodborne and, and Sekiro especially. There's so many beautiful landscapes to look at and interesting areas to go through. Well, this one, like you can even see, even this boss arena, it's just a bunch of flat land where you fight him and there's really nothing around at all. It's like, okay, pretty cool, I guess? But the entire area that you go through is just like all gray and there's really nothing to look at. There's several areas in the game where I was like, it's just it's just boring going through these areas because there's nothing here except for a few enemies. You stupid noob! Thank you for the follow, Timster91. I hope you enjoy Handsome Squidward. Thank you so much. Um... So, yeah, it's just, there's nothing, there's just, there's a lot of dull areas in this game that don't look that good. Really, the only area that was really interesting to look at was, like, I, I don't even know. Um, there really wasn't any area that I was, like, so impressed with that I, I stopped and looked at the sights, you know? I guess this area that had all the poison darts looked cool. You know, with the green effects and stuff like that, but still, you can even tell, like, there's not much going on in the scenery. It's just it's just a bunch of dark colors, and I think that 
maybe that's the way that they wanted to take this game, but it, it just it just felt empty. The game felt empty, you know. The enemy placement wasn't that amazing. The you know the 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 world that you fight they just they just seem kind of placed around. Oh nope, not a problem, Timster, not a problem at all. But enemies are just kind of like placed around like like chess pieces, you know. Like, I was going through this area that had a bunch of dragons in it, right? They, they were all flying around, and there was guys who would, you know, charge at you and explode if they hit you. And all of a sudden, randomly, there was one of those guys from the, uh, the congregation fight that I was talking about. It was one of the wizard dudes with a candlestick. And he was just so out of place. I'm like, what are you doing here? Same thing later on when you go to officially meet the final boss in the game. Well, he's not really the final boss, but he's, you know, one of the final bosses in the game. Um, and the lead-up to the boss fight has all these, like, ghost dudes and undead warriors and stuff like that. And then you go through this long hallway, and at the end of the hallway, guess what? There's a dragon rider standing there. And you're like, how does this make sense in the context of this area? It doesn't. It just doesn't. So... I guess what I'm trying to say is that the presentation of this game is very dull. It's just, it's just kind of like, things are just kind of placed anywhere, you know? I think the most interesting areas are the dream areas, where you go back in time and fight giants, and there's like wars between the men and the giants and stuff like that. But those are like, you only have like 10 minutes to be in the area before it kicks you out, you know? It's just one of those things like, I, I've, I've heard bad things about this game for a long time. And I didn't really believe them because I said, oh, you know, people are just annoyed with how difficult it is or whatever. But going through and playing it, I found this game to be incredibly easy. I beat this game faster than I beat any other Souls-like game, including Remnant from Ashes, including uh, Bloodborne and Dark Souls 3 when I first started playing the Souls games. Um, Sekiro might give it a run for its money because I'm still, I, I, I play it like once a month at this point and then I forget how to play and I need to relearn. But this game took me the least amount of time out of any Souls-like game to be in. Maybe that's just because I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know? Get good, they say? Well, I'm already good. Or is it because that this game is a big pile of easy mode? I think it is. You with the right build, you can make this game your bitch very early on. Like I said, I really only had trouble with three or f three different boss fights, and even then, I was able to defeat them within... F I think the most tries I had was against this rotten guy, and it took me like ten tries, you know? Like, I, I just I just need to level up a little more, I guess. I don't know. Tim says, I'm actually glad to be here listening to you about this. A buddy of mine and I are running through Dark Souls 1, and we question why we didn't do... Dark Souls 2 or 3. Yeah, well, <laughs> 3 is amazing. 3 is a great game. 2, I, I mean, if you are if you like the Souls games and you and you enjoy the series, go ahead and play 2. It's not like it's not like it's going to be a garbage experience, but it's definitely one that's not as enjoyable as other games in the same series. I would rather I would rather play Dark Souls 1 again and fight the freaking bed of chaos over and over and over again before I have to do this area again, you know? I'm definitely not doing a New Game Plus on this anytime soon. Maybe in the future, after it's all said or done, but I'm definitely not gonna come back to this game soon, you know? I still have it on my PC just in case I wanna play the DLCs, but even then, those didn't really have too much personality either. I mean, sure, the one, the one area I went to was like, snowy area, but there was another area that I went to in, the DLC, in a different DLC 
where it was a long pathway to the boss fight, and when I got to the boss fight, guess what? It was a reskinned smelting demon, except he was blue. He had a blue flame instead of a red flame. And I, I immediately said, I'm not fighting this guy. I'm just I'm just done. You know, I just left I just I just homeward boned out there and, and went to a different area. That was just so lazy. This game is just so lazy with his with his enemy design, its boss design, its its air its level design. Just everything about it is so lazy. And you can see where this game they took some things from this game that were positive and put them in the Dark Souls 3. But there's a lot of stuff in this game that just just I don't know how to describe it. It's just it's just annoying, I guess I would say. So like I said, if you're running a magic build, if you're running a tank build, you're going to have a super easy time. Like I said, most of the bosses, you can just walk around behind them, hit them a few times. When they move to look at you, you walk around behind them, you hit them a few times. You know, it's just a, it's just one of those things that like I every single boss fight was almost the same thing for me where I was like I bet I can't do it this time, but I could do it that time. You, there's this like there's this boss later on that's a frog and you can only hit its face and its face is covered by its skin until it opens up and tries to attack you with its hands and the bo and this boss only has like two different moves to it <coughs> there's a big sweep there's like a big body slam move and then there's like a combo move that it does and after it's done with the combo it just sits there and lets you hit it this combo also can be dodged by guess what Moving to the left and sticking to its body and then keeping your shield up just in case it might get a, a hit on you And then you just wail on its face and you can kill it real easily like like I, I Would say that this is a good beginners game for the soul series I really do think this is a good beginners game for the soul series skip Dark Souls 1 first and do this game first You're gonna have such an easy time You're gonna get so accustomed to how souls games work and this game is not that challenging at all I, 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 I tell you right now I had a few problems here or there with some of the bosses, but for the most part, it was easy going. It really was. And that's so sad. <laughs> because I'm so accustomed to Souls games putting a little punishment on you, right? My first playthrough of Dark Souls 3, oh man, that first boss killed me so many times. You know why? Because I was a noob. Going through it again, I just started Dark Souls 3 this past week. Going through it again, I beat the first boss in one go. I beat the second boss in one go. I beat the third boss in two goes. My first playthrough of the game, I was struggling through every single portion of this game. Dark Souls 2, this was my first time playing Dark Souls 2. I breezed through this game. So hardcore. And yeah, like I said, maybe it's because I am a seasoned gamer now. I am a veteran of the Souls series. But I think that I, would, I should still have some trouble with these areas or with with like the enemies or the bosses that I've never seen before I've never fought before but that that's just not the case so many bosses in this game with which was my first time playing the game <laughs> I just beat in one go and I was like wow <laughs> what what a fun game and yes greedy did help me with boss number two he did help me with boss number two and I do appreciate that. I do, and I, I, I do, I do think that I could have beat it myself, obviously. But it's fun to have another person with you in these games, especially when they're harder games like Dark Souls Three or One or Bloodborne or something like that. It is a lot more fun to have two people. It, it makes the game a little bit more difficult. The bosses have more health. Um, you have more of a chance of beating some of the stronger enemies, of course, because you're two people wailing on them. Um, 
it could be a lot of fun, you know? And it is a lot of fun, you know? Greedy Waffles and I went through the Undead Village together. We went through the uh, the Castle of Lothric together. And we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, and we're going to go through the Swamp Area probably today or whenever we have time. Um, but it's, it's really fun to have someone with you to help you, but... I mean, I, I'm going to say it, I didn't I didn't need help with the tree boss, obviously. But it's nice to have some help with you from a friend, you know, who's willing to help you because it's more fun. You know, you're working together, you're calling out his moves. This game, I didn't need help from practically anyone until that smelting demon. That, that's the only boss that I called in an AI helper. Not even the last boss in the game, which was a fun boss fight, sure. Did I need help? I, try, I, I called in help once, and it made the boss way more difficult because she had more health. And the guy died really fast. And I was like, alright, fuck that. <laughs> Never mind. And I went and just beat it myself. It was just, it's one of those things that's like... Dark Souls 2, I barely needed any help with. But Bloodborne, Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 3. You know, I had help going through those games initially. Yeah, co-op co is, is a lot of fun in Dark Souls 3, even though I like playing through the game solo, too, you know? It's not like I don't like playing through them solo. Co-op is fun, though, because, like I said, you're working together, you're doing things together, you're exploring these areas together, and it makes the game... Sure, it makes the game a little bit more difficult, but also makes it a little bit more fun. Um, and I... I mean, I'll tell you guys the story of when Greedy Waffles originally got Dark Souls 3 back when it first came out. I didn't understand why he got it, but he did. And he died on the first boss a few times and said, fuck this game, and he sold it. <laughs> and I was like, but we didn't even get to the co-op part of the game. Because he just wouldn't do it. Because they weren't his types of games. Now, now I think we're actually, we're, 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 I'm, I'm, I've been slowly turning him to a Souls fan. We played through Remnant from Ashes together, which was great. We played through Bloodborne together, which was awesome. And now we're playing through Dark Souls 3 together. Alright, I think I'm done talking about Dark Souls 3. All in all, uh, it's a 3 out of 10. 3 out of 10 from me. Like I said, just not enjoyable. Too easy. Uh, too too easy to, to, to just, you know, cheese enemies. Um, there's just a few er There's a few areas in the game that are just so annoying that I don't want to play the game again, you know? Um, like, this area right here is just a, such such a bad area. It really is. So, uh, 3 out of 10 for me. Like I said, if you're a fan of Dark Souls 2 and you want to play the entire series, go for it. It's still a Souls-like game and it'll still give you a little bit of trouble, but I just don't think it's fun. And I don't think that anything's really that imaginative. And I do, I do understand why it happened. Because Dark Souls 1 sold off the shelves when it originally came out. People loved it. And, and From Software and Bandai Namco said, get another game out right away. And so they did. And essentially what they did is they rushed the game out without much thought put into it and said, yeah, this will be hard. And essentially it, it, it just was a shell of the past game, which is why Dark Souls 3 did so well, because they went back to meticulously designing the game and the areas in the game and the lore in the game, etc., etc., etc. So that's Dark Souls 2. I'm... I'm I, I, like I said, I'm happy I played through it, because I never played through it before, okay? I'm happy I played through it, I got through it, um, and I can say that I did it, and my points can be valid to me, you know, my opinions can be good, because, you know, I played through it. So, there you go. 
Uh, Great Waffle says he hates the messages and bloodstains on the ground. Well, that's just a part of the Dark Souls series. Like I said, if you don't want those, you have to play in offline mode. You do have to play in offline mode. Okay, next up, another game that was not our favorite thing in the world. Uh, Terminator Resistance. Terminator Resistance came out last year, and I never heard about it until recently because a video came out on a channel called Mini-Me, who, who reviews kind of um, more obscure games. This one was on his list. He said it was pretty good. I can't agree with it. Now, I will say this. If you're a fan of Terminator lore and you're a fan of the Terminator series, this game will be a lot of fun for you. It's basic. Um, it's, it's simple. The gunplay is fine. The upgrade system is not too in-depth. And everything about it is pretty easy going. It it started off alright. Um, it was a little bit more challenging because obviously regular bullets don't hurt Terminators. But we didn't see any actual Terminator monitor, uh, models outside of the initial start of the game. Until we had a laser gun. And then it became so easy we just breezed through it. Literally picking up the laser weaponry in this game is the in a, is an automatic win. You can just win automatically. The sniper rifle plasma gun is amazing. The regular plasma rifle is amazing, and the LMG version of the plasma stuff is amazing. All you gotta do is is make sure you have enough ammo, and you're good to go. I think only once during the game did I ever run out of ammo, and that was during one of the last sequences. And it's mostly because I was just I was shooting the LMG at ev at every enemy, and I was wasting a lot of ammo with missed shots. Um, but other than that, never ran out of ammo. Resources were never too scarce that I couldn't craft something that I needed. And also there was a lot of save points around as well that you could abuse as well. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say this right now. I wouldn't recommend this game. I, I, I would not recommend this game. And here is why. The story in the game and the voice acting in the game is, it's bad. It really is bad. There's some choice in the game, um, but essentially what we did is we just went through every single tree of talking to people, and by doing that, we got positive relationships with everyone. If you don't talk to people, then I guess you don't build a relationship with them, but essentially all I did was I went through all the different conversations, conversations trees. I talked to them every time I could when I came back to the settlement, and I ended up making love to two different women in the game. Now I know what you're saying. Oh yeah, I mean that's pretty good. You're a player. It's not like I tried though, you know? It's one of those things that's like, all I did was I went through their conversation trees and all of a sudden, you know, the leader of the resistance is banging me. And then all of a sudden at the end of the game, I could bang this scavenger woman that we met, you know? And she didn't care that I banged the other lady, you know? It's one of those things that like, they really could have used something that's like, hey, you can only have a relationship with one of these people. Like kind of like Mass Effect does and the witch, well, I guess not the witcher. But Mass Effect does, and that would have been great. But instead, we got an experience where it's like we just skip through all the dialogue, saying everything to someone. You don't even have to say it's the right thing. Hentai, and it's, and it's art. art. Um, you don't even have to say anything specifically to them. You can just go through the trees, and even if you say something that is negative, they'll still they'll still pop up with a little heart and say they appreciated that. So essentially, the story in the game is a very dumbed down Telltale game. So dumbed down that it's that it plays itself, and the story-wise, so that's that's one of those goofy things. Um, and I didn't like that. I really was hoping that there would be more choice in the game with these conversations because, you know, all I did was I mean, at the end there was a few choices as well, like who who stays in the resistance and who leaves, 
And I guess we got a mediocre ending because two of our three people died. Um, but there's also, like, stuff that happens, like, at the beginning of the game where you can, like, choose to save more people at the beginning of the game instead of just leaving right away. And that person does nothing throughout the rest of the game. And you're like, why did I save you if you're not going to do anything to help me throughout this entire game? It just doesn't make any sense. There's no, there's no payoff for this person, for helping this person. Um... So yeah, that's my gripes about the story. It's not, I mean, if you're a Terminator fan, it does have a lot of Terminator stuff going on in it. John Connor's in it. They talk about Sadakana and the, the different Terminators that were sent back through time um, and stuff like that. So if you are a fan of Terminator and, and the Terminator lore, this does fill in a few gaps, I guess. And I, I'm not sure if it is canon or not. I'm not sure, but it seems like they were trying to make it a pseudo-canon type game. It takes place, um, obviously, before Terminator 1, technically. Um, and, you know, they, they talk about the different things that they did to send people back in the time and stuff like that. And uh, with the recent movie that came out, uh, it kind of zapped all the all the lore to the game since T2. So, you know, whatever. Also, um, I want to mention this because Chronosize here. The trophy list for this game, the achievement list is super easy. I don't know how the trophy list is, but the achievement list, list on Steam was so easy that we did 99% of the of the achievements without even trying. Excuse me for dropping in. Welcome in, Callus. How are you today? So essentially, you just gotta play through the game, do a few special things here or there that you'll do anyways, and you'll get the 100% for the game, which I did on on Steam. And it's one of those things. It's like could have used a little bit of you know challenge, maybe a collectibles one at least, but there was no collectibles one. I think there was one for getting like you know 10 collectibles, and that was it. And I was like, okay, weird. <laughs> <laughs> There's also one for upgrading a weapon all the way and stuff like that. But other than that, it was like... Okay, I guess we did 100% of the game. <laughs> There's no replay value in this game. Essentially, the ending of the game is exact... Is The two different endings are pretty much exactly the same. Where, you know, you can either choose to go back in time and protect yourself. Or you can choose to have someone else go back in time and protect yourself. Either way, the two endings are the same. Um, same thing, like... Same thing if the if the if you send some people away, you know, you never really see them again. You know, you, you say, oh, he died, or she died, and or, oh, I never saw this person again. Stuff like that, you know? It's just one of those things that's like... You could have done more than just a stale image at the end, like Mass Effect 3 style, you know? On Mass Effect 3, it kind of worked because there was so much going on in this game. In this game, Terminator Resistance... You have the min you have the bare minimum for choice in the game. Like, come on. Like, you could do something. You know, whatever. Like I said, the gunplay is kind of fun. Um, it's it's not terrible, but in the end, like you're supposed to be like threatened by these Terminator dudes, and essentially, once you get a plasma rifle, they're little bitches. Like, I barely died to them ever because of how little of a bitch they were. Like, you could literally just shoot them in the face a few times, they fall over, and then you shoot their dick. Same thing with the sniper rifle. You get the sniper rifle in the game, OP, you shoot them in the head once, they fall on the ground, you shoot them again, they die instantly. The hardest enemy in this game was the spiders, the armored spiders, but even then, I never really died to them, and most of the time, they're, they're positioned next to plasma barrels that explode! <laughs> the end of the game was really boring. Uh, you guys saw how much I was struggling to just pay attention to what was happening. Because essentially there's there's two main ending missions. There's the fake ending mission and then there's the real ending mission. The fake ending mission has exactly the same amount of enemies as the real ending mission. Uh, there are these like super Terminator dudes. They're like giant robots 
that it's that, and, and you have to fight like 15 of them and it's so boring because it takes so long to die the first time we saw one of these dudes i was kind of frightened yeah but i started shooting them from inside the house and realized that he couldn't hit me because there's no destructible environments in this game the only time he hit me was when he did a massive attack with his arm that went through the house his missiles his bullets never touched me while i was shooting him inside the house <laughs> so essentially he was even bigger bitch than the regular bitches um, I feel like the controls for this game are a little weird too. H is the heal and G is for grenade and those are so close together that you will hit one or the other eventually. Um, I also feel like the weapon wheel was kind of lame in the game. Um, I don't know. It's one of those, it's just one of those personal preferences. Also, choosing between your grenades and your health and stuff like that is really a pain in the butt too because every time you want to switch to, from a grenade to a noisemaker, you have to open up your inventory, drag the noisemaker over to your grenade slot, equip it, and then you have to exit the inventory. Same thing for health and, and stuff like that. You can, you have to open up your inventory, switch out your, what your health is, what your, you know, your health packs are, and then go forward. And it's just like, this could have been a lot simpler. Put it on the weapon wheel. Put a different weapon wheel. Some, give me something else besides from what you are doing right here. <laughs> so in the end, um, I would give this one a... I would give Terminator Resistance a 5 out of 10. Um, I understand the limitations of the game, but I don't understand why it had... The story had to be so sloppy. The animation had to be so sloppy. The character designs. The... Um, the uh the, the the just the ai in the game in general like the turrets in the game you could literally just run straight at them slide underneath them move to the left and then you could hack them and take them over without a care in the world same i mean it's just it's one of those things that's like could have been done better could have been done better i understand it's a small studio um this was like one of their first games that they made i don't remember anything else they've made uh they got the license for terminator somehow and they made a game and it's passable but it's nothing that i would like be like, oh, go out and get this game. It's a hidden gem. Because really, it's not a hidden gem. It's just like a, it's just like any other first-person shooter, Fallout-type game. You know, it's one of those things. So, you know, I, I'm not a, I'm like, I'm not, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Uh, the side missions and stuff like that were kind of fun, but most of them just ended up being take down this Skynet facility, uh, find this thing for this person. And it was really never like that in depth, you know. I think the most in depth one was towards the end when you when you tried to find a survivor and she started shooting at you. But even in the end, it's not like you ever got to meet her or anything like that because she just dies. Spoiler alert. So yeah, um, all in all, five out of ten for me. Don't run out to get it if you go, if you want to get this game, get it on a sale. All right, that's what I that's all I gotta say. A good sale. All right. Let's move on to the news. Actually, first, we have a quiz. Uh, last time we took a quiz, I did pretty well. 9 out of 10 or whatever it was. Um, so let's do a how well do I know infamous quiz. Now, it's been a while since I played the first game and the second game. I still, I mean, I platinum second son, so that's pretty well ingrained in my head. Uh, infamous 2 and infamous 1, though, I haven't played in forever. But let's try. Let's give it a try, guys. So... The first question is, what is the name of the object that gave Cole his powers? And I'm pretty sure it's called the Conduit. Just kidding, it's the Ray Sphere. <laughs> Alright, we're 1 we're 0 for 1 right now, guys. What is the name of Cole's girlfriend in the first game? Uh... Trish? Yes, Trish. Woo! <laughs> 
The first game is really good. It has a lot of choices to make, and you can be evil coal or good coal. The second game also has the same kind of choices. The second son, though, did a little... I mean, I, I didn't like most of the choices that you had to do in that game. Alright, so this says, what do you collect in the game to upgrade your power? So this is... this. I know this one. Oh, shit. See, I thought it was conduit shards, but now I'm thinking it's power shards. Or blast... No, blast shards. Yes. Haha. I'm right. Cole has electrical powers. This means he can no longer do what? Uh, he can't swim. <laughs> there are many enemy factions in Infamous. What is the first gang in the game called? Oh, yes. These are the, um... The, I think it's the... The Dustmen? No, that's the second. The Hoodies. No, it's the... Oh, it was, it's the Reapers. Oh, okay. Well, I got that wrong. What is the name of the city in which Infamous 2 is set? Uh, this is, um... Yes, new... I can't pronounce it. Mareas. <laughs> Infamous Festival of Blood was a standalone DLC story. What was it about? It was about vampires. Which, it was really fun. Infamous 2 is fully playable with... Play no, that is def That is false. What? You can play Infamous 2 with move controllers? Oh, my life is a lie. My life is a lie. Alright, here we go. Zeke is Cole's best buddy. What was the character's surname? Uh... Math? No, it was Dunbar. I was going to choose that one, too. Infamous Second Son takes place how many years after the events of Infamous 2? Uh... Ten? <laughs> I don't know. Seven. Okay. Troy Baker plays Deslin Rowe in Infamous Second Son, but who plays his older brother, Reggie? I don't know. Was it... Was it Nolan North? No, Travis Willingham. I don't know. The DUP is a force against conduits in Infamous Second Son. What do the letters stand for? Uh, I think it's... Department of Utera... No. God, I'm doing pretty bad. We all know Deslin and Fetch from Infamous Second Son. We all know them. But what is the name of the character with video powers? Oh, uh... B -b 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 Eugene, because he was a nerd. The main villain of Infamous Second Son has the power to control concrete. Neon-wielding Fetch start in a, a spin-off game called Last... First... Yes, first, first light. I got an eight out of fifteen. We're a good Cole. Um, I probably could do better if I replayed the games, uh, which I might do on the channel eventually. The first game is a classic. I love that game. The second game I didn't enjoy as much, and of course, Second Son I did enjoy <laughs> enough. Um, they failed. So that was pretty fun. All right, that's the infamous quiz. Yay! Congratulations. Let's move on. Let's move on. Alright, we're moving on, guys. Moving on to the actual news. Here we go. Ubisoft Forward was this week. But before the Forward came out, there were allegations of yeah! sexual assault um, who that were, that were pointed at the Ubisoft executive. So, um, members of Ubisoft's executive team have resigned from the company after multiple allegations of sexual assault were made against them. The chief creative officer named Serge... Has Kuit, Human Resources Director Cecile Cornet, and Yanis Mallet have all left the French publisher. Uh, the latter, uh, Yanis, was the managing director of Ubisoft's Canadian branch who said, The recent allegations that have come to light in Canada against multiple employees make it impossible for Mallet to continue in this position. 
Bloomberg's Jason Shearer explained on what this means for the company after more than 100 cases of sexual harassment were made to Ubisoft's division. He's quoted as saying Serge Hascoet was the man in charge of all their games. With one word, he could get he could greenlight and cancel a project. Many Ubisoft employees believed he was too powerful and close to the CEO to ever be ousted. No matter how many allegations emerged, um, Yves Guillemont has said that the editorial team will receive a complete overhaul in an effort to create an inclusive and open culture. Ubisoft came out on Twitter later that day and said this. The Ubisoft Forward comes during a big time of internal change. Because all the content has been pre-recorded, we wanted to recognize that the issues we're currently dealing with won't be addressed directly in the show. We still have significant work to do and are committed to this process. We will provide more updates soon. So essentially, they have ripped the core of their executive team out, and they're going to be restructuring and getting new people in. What does this mean for the future of Ubisoft? I mean, you know, yeah, who knows? Um, obviously, not a lot of people were were that... Um, I mean, the, the Ubisoft 4 wasn't really well received. So if changes are coming, hopefully they'll come before they launch a few of these games. Because I'll tell you guys right now, there really wasn't anything that caught my eye except for, like, Far Cry 6. And even then, I'm a little bit like, I don't know, because Far Cry 5, I didn't like Far Cry 5. So the Ubisoft Forward happened. They showed off a few games like Assassin's Creed, Legion, uh, Watch Dogs Legion. Um, you know, uh, they showed uh, Far Cry 6, of course, and a big reveal. Um, there really wasn't much to write home about. I really wasn't, like, so impressed that uh, I, like, went to the streets and started announcing, like, Oh my god, it's amazing. Oh. Because in the end, I didn't feel like any of these games looked really that great, except for Far Cry 6. Um, that was the only game that graphically looked great. Watch Dogs Legions looked fun, and I didn't mind it. I thought it looked kind of interesting. But the real stinker of this show, which was the game that I was most excited about because it's set in Viking times, was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I thought Assassin's Creed Valhalla looked terrible. The transition from gameplay to cinematics was night and day. Assassin's Creed Valhalla looks like any other game in Ubisoft's past with Assassin's Creed. It's one of those things that was like... It just, it just didn't look that great, you know? There was a lot of weird things happening in it. Like, you guys can watch the video yourselves. I'm not going to watch the whole thing here, but there were so many times when, like, the facial animations were just stiff and and not realistic. And then they would switch to, like, cinematics, and it would be like, oh, wow, that's beautiful, you know? Hey, Chaz, welcome in, welcome in. So I think the main thing from the, from the Ubisoft forward was Far Cry 6 which was announced. And it looks like it's in more of like a Cuban setting, as uh, as you can see from the trailer we're watching. There's some sort of like revolt happening against the dictatorship that's there, and you're probably going to either play as the um, the kid in the video revolting against his dad, or you're going to play as a person in, in the crowd, um, and you're going to be like a special person in the crowd. There's a few screenshots they share... Um, hold on. There's a few screenshots that they shared of the experience... Uh, which looks, I mean, it looks a lot better than Far Cry 5. Let me get that right, that right off the bat. Look at these graphics. These looks, this looks 10 times better than Far Cry 5. We're going back to like a Far Cry 4 style of things, which Far Cry 4 looks better than Far Cry 5. This is like a New Dawn, Far Cry 4 kind of mix. Looks like they have like an FAL here, but look at the, look at the design of the gun. You could definitely see like, it's definitely got some like homemade elements on it. Like, there's a tuna can holding up the red dot sight, you know? 
Um, you can see, like, you can definitely see it's like a Cuban landscape. Um, they're, they're driving, like, old cars that were made in, like, the 60s and stuff like that, kind of like they do nowadays. You can see there's a tank here. He's throwing a Molotov at the tank. Um, maybe this is the character you use in the game. Look, and, uh, of course, they showed off this dog that's, like, going to be a companion in the game for you. Just, I mean, that looks really nice, too. And if this is in-game screenshots, is very impressive, you know? Right here, this is probably the most impressive thing with the lighting, the water effects on the gun, and on the rain here. The water effects here, the guy's stepping into, like, a fountain. He's on fire. There's lights shining in. If this is from in-game, that is amazing. That is, that is really nice. Like... When developers take time with their games, unlike Far Cry 4, I know there's a few people who like Far Cry 5. I'm sorry, Far Cry 5 is what I'm talking about. There, I know there's a lot of people who like Far Cry 5, right? Okay. But I hated Far Cry 5. Everything about it was really bad. But if Far Cry 6 looks like this, we're in for a real treat. Now, like I said, these are just screenshots, so don't get your dicks too hard. This is just a showing off, like, how customized or, like, how rudimentary these weapons are. It looks like someone took, like, the barrel, like, the trigger of a rifle and attached, like, some sort of suppressor device on it or something like that. Maybe this is some, uh, like, an LMG. Who knows? Um, but you can see that maybe there's some customization to your character. And that's pretty much it for the screenshots there. So, this was a very, like, like I said, the most impressive thing about Ubisoft Forward was Far Cry 6 because it looks so, looks so clean. Looks so good. Um, too much water. <laughs> what are you, some sort of hydrophobic? Um, let's move on to... The Collector's Edition for the game was also revealed. Let me zoom in on that a little bit. So the Collector's Edition is coming with a flamethrower. Now, does it actually work? Let's find out. The, the Collector's Edition will receive all three pieces of post-launch DLC via the Season Pass. As far as the goodies go, um, you'll get a collector's case, an art book, 10 stickers, an exclusive steelbook and soundtrack, a chorizo keyring, and a map of Yara. Instructions on how to put together the flamethrower and stand to mount on it will also be included, which will retail for about $200. So obviously this is going to be something that's just a, a replica. It doesn't actually spit flame, so it's going to be a 72 centimeter replica. Um... I mean, if it's as detailed as some of the other collector's editions we've gotten, it would be pretty nice. I think that this collector's edition is kind of lacking, in my opinion. Even though the flamethrower is cool, I mean, have I ever used a flamethrower in Far Cry? No! It's a shitty weapon for Far Cry. Some of the other stuff is kind of interesting, like the map here looks like a like it would be like an actual map in the game. Obviously, the little... the chorizo is the dog's name. Chorizo. Um, he's all, he's gonna He's gonna be a bonus goodie for pre-orders as well. I'm not sure what he does. I think he's just a companion for you. You can get a key ring, you get the, you know, get some stickers, stuff like that. There's nothing like so eye popping that would make me want to get it though, right? I think I'm gonna, I'm, I'm definitely gonna get the game. Obviously, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Far Cry series, but it's just one of those things that's like, uh, you know, I'm not gonna pay $200 for this, you know. So yeah, that's that's this. Um, like I said, Far Cry 6. Looks impressive, but like I said, we haven't actually seen much gameplay of it. We've seen a really nice cinematic trailer. We've seen some really nice screenshots, but we need to see actual gameplay before I'm sold. Also, they showed off Watch Dogs Legions, which I said was was fine. It looks fun. Um, I think that they 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 really hurt themselves after the first initial E3 for Watch Dogs. 
where they showed off this really nice environment with really nice graphics and smoke effects and lighting effects, and then the game itself was like a like a torn down version of it, which is classic Ubisoft at this point. <clears throat> but essentially, but here's the here's the thing though: when you buy Watch Dogs Legion and get the the season pass, you'll get a free version of the original Watch Dogs game, which is not that big of a deal. You got it for free on the Epic Store not too long ago, and the game retails for about $5 max, okay? It's not that big of a deal. I don't understand why they're making a big deal about it. If it was Watch Dogs 1 and 2, then yeah, then it's kind of a deal. I liked Watch Dogs 2. Watch Dogs 1, though? Hmm, I don't know about that. But the gold edition of the game is going to include a copy of the game, all the story expansions, four unique heroes to use, extra um, dead sec missions, and also, of course... Uh, the Watch Dogs Complete Edition for free, well, free, quotation points, quotation marks. So the interesting thing about Watch Dogs Legion is, like, there's really no, like, main, main character. It's kind of like Driver San Francisco, right, where you could kind of switch between characters, and some characters have specific skills um, that other ones don't have, like, one might be better at hacking, one might be better at stealth, one might be better at fighting. You know, it's one of those things that, like, it's, it's a cool concept, and I'm interested to see how they do it. Um... But, like I said, we've been kind of burned with Watch Dogs in the past. I gave Watch Dogs 2 a chance because I was like, the concept is cool. And Watch Dogs 2 actually delivered on a lot of things that I was hoping for. Watch Dogs 1, on the other hand, came out at the wrong time. Because they claimed that it was the next-gen experience, they had this really nice E3 presentation, everyone was sold, and then the game officially came out, and it was complete crap. And I think it still is pretty abysmal. Um, the story, the graphics, the, um, the gunplay, the... The AI, the driving, it all just doesn't work right. And I think that them giving Watch Dogs 1 away as a free goodie is kind of like a slap in the face. Like, give out a good game like Watch Dogs 2, you know? I actually really enjoyed Watch Dogs 2. I liked the characters, even though some of them were a little cringe at times. I liked the characters, like the open world. I liked pretty much everything about it. That's why I went through it 100%. Watch Dogs 1, on the other hand, I couldn't get through, like, the first five hours. It was just that bad. I do have it on my list of games to revisit which we may revisit soon, or eventually. But until then, my opinion has not changed. And like I said, Assassin's Creed Valhalla was shown off, and they talked in depth about it. Like I said, I think this Ubisoft forward actually made me not want to get Assassin's Creed Valhalla right away. Um, so speaking with GameSpot, the narrative director Derby... Darby McDivitt stated that the traditional side quests are going to be non-existent. The site explains that world events will take their place, something which happens seemingly at random and won't lead you down a typical questline. This approach was given to fit the narrative as the protagonist, Ivor, arrives in England as an invader rather than a native. Having quest givers left and right would not make sense, and you're still actively trying to make alliances. So that's an interesting concept. I think that they still kind of need side con you know side quest content but this is kind of taking the place of it and i think that makes sense now the thing is the structure of assassin's creed games have been a little bit wonky since they went to the next generation right uh well i should say when they changed their style from to be more rpg based um essentially there's just people all around the world giving you meaningless quests to do to you know give you xp there are so many quests in in odyssey and origins that just are pointless, that it just made me want to quit the game. Hopefully in Valhalla, with the way that they're showing off and how it's, it, how they're saying it works, 
things will be a little bit more flowing. You know, you'll see Vikings fighting some Anglo-Saxons and you'll be like, oh, I should join them. Or, you know, someone will be like, come this way, Ivor, we're taking this castle. And maybe that'll lead you into like a side thing where you're taking over a castle. That'd be cool. Or taking over a camp or something like that. That would be cool. Now, if it's a side thing like Destiny where it's like it randomly happens and it's there for a minute and it's gone, then that's kind of lame. I almost feel like they made this, this, this decision because Ghost of Tsushima is doing a very similar thing. Ghost of Tsushima is, you know, you'll get, you'll, the bird will come up and it'll say, come this way. You'll follow it and, and do a side quest, you know, right, right there, flowing through the game. And I feel like Assassin's Creed is taking inspiration from that with this kind of quest giving. So even though I'm not sold on the game anymore, I was, and then they actually showed gameplay and I was like, well, this kind of looks bad. <laughs> So, essentially, I need to see more of this game, and I think that my final verdict is going to be a wait until a sale on it. But, that's, that's, that's yet to be seen. That's yet to be seen. They meant pre-gen. Yeah, it was like PS3 era gameplay for Watch Dogs. Personally, I have not enjoyed the latest Assassin's Creed games. I stopped enjoying Assassin's Creed after Unity, even though Syndicate was fine and it is on my list to play again. Unity was like, okay, I'm kind of done with the series for a little bit. And then it came back to the series, and I was just bored out of my mind. The maps are huge. The exploration is, is, is vast. But there's just too many meaningless side quests in this game. So I'm hoping that this helps to become more of a tighter experience. And I, I really do hope that they polish this game and fix some of the things that I have problems with. And then I might consider getting it day one. But I don't think I will. Hell, I haven't, I haven't even finished Last of Us Part 2 yet. <laughs> How am I going to finish an Assassin's Creed game with over 60 hours of content? Alright, so Ubisoft has already confirmed that there will be another Ubisoft Forward Showcase later in the year. Um, so, they will focus on probably some things we did not see in this one, like the Rainbow Six Quarantine game, Skull and Bones, Gods and Monsters, and hopefully Beyond and Good and Evil 2. For a lot of people, they were really hoping for that. Skull and Bones. I have some news about that, which we'll get to in a second. We haven't seen a lot of Skull and Bones stuff. They, it skipped this this fin financial year. Um, they skipped this forward, this Ubisoft forward. I was hoping they would show something off, but they did not say anything about it. But we did get some news about Skull and Bones, which, as you guys know, I've been following this game for a long time, ever since Yummy Cast days. And it's it was originally revealed at E3 2017, and I fell in love with it because it had the Assassin's Creed ship battling. But in an old, it was only the ship battling. And I'm like, that's the best part of the game. So essentially, we haven't heard really anything about it since two or a year ago now, maybe a little bit more. And it actually is skipping this financial year, as I already reported, and it won't release until probably about 2021 if it is still in the works. But apparently, in a new report from VGC, the seafaring adventure is still. On the horizon, but it's it's gotten into some rock, rocky waters, okay? The project has reportedly been rebooted after failed attempts to make the game a premium box open world like Far Cry and Watch Dogs. According to an anonymous development source who are saying that Skull and Bones is becoming a live game, uh, VGC writes that the title will contain a, pers a persistent world featuring quests, characters, and storylines that will drastically evolve and change over time. They're taking this kind of like Sea of Thieves, which isn't a bad thing. I just hope that you have control over the full boat like you do in Assassin's Creed Black Flag and Rogue. 
I hope that I, I just I don't want it to be another like co-op game like Skull and Bones because Skull and Go Skull and Bones is a really original idea where you are each of the you're you're each of the people of the pirates on the boat on the ship and you're doing all doing different things you have a captain you have someone who's setting the sails you have someone who's manning the cannons you have someone who's you know doing this and that i really do hope that they keep this game kind of like the a more arcade style where it's like you can upgrade your ship but it's just you controlling the ship and you can have friendships with you but it's mostly you doing this and doing one thing so that's one of those things that's like I'm kind of, I'm still interested in the game, obviously, but it's kind of concerning news that they're re restarting the whole thing. Also, um, Eliz Elizabeth pa Pellin, who is the writer and director of the of the shooter X, or I'm sorry, Eight X I I I, she's taken over as creative director for Justin Farron, who actually left the studio to go to another one, so it also changed hands as well. So yeah, we ha like I said, we haven't really heard anything about Skull and Bones for a long time like actual officially from ubisoft so it's gonna be interesting to find out what happens to this game in the end all right next up red dead online fans are angry because rockstar has seemingly forgotten about the game entirely essentially what they did is a fool as lobbies and lobbies of people have all dressed up in clown outfits to show that that Rockstar, um, oh, to show that everyone was a fool or clowns for believing we'll get an update. Um, so we're gonna dress like them too. Um, as as I recently learned, clown is actually one of the most horrible things you can call someone. I learned that, and I have personally grown through this. So them calling Rockstar clowns is the lowest thing they can possibly do and you know that i am super serious about this guys Just calling someone a clown is almost like calling someone the n-word that is what i learned on twitter guys it is so terrible okay obviously i'm joking obviously i am joking about that um Let's move on to um, what what the contents of. Yesterday of we managed it. to get the full lobby of clowns in Red Dead Online, and that was extremely fun. So essentially, this guy said, "Hey, everyone dresses dress up as a clown." There's people on Twitter groups and in Discord groups who said, "We're all going to dress up as clowns, and we're all going to you know get into these servers and just literally fight each other." Because Rockstar really has forgotten about this game. I don't think there's been a, a Red Dead Online update in a, in a few months now. And people are kind of getting antsy because people love Red Dead 2 and they love the online portion of the game. But when 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 the, when the Rockstar just forgets about the game but still is updating GTA 5, yeah, you can kind of get a little annoyed about it. So essentially what they did, the show that everyone's a clown for believing in Rockstar, that they were going to keep, you know, keep updating the game they all dressed up as clowns went into a serve went into multiple servers and just kind of roamed around punching each other and doing clown things now what it's gonna do probably nothing you know it, it's one of those things that's like you know it's 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 an interesting gesture but i don't think rockstar is gonna even notice it now of course the video is getting a good amount of tra of, of traffic online obviously but uh it's one of those things that's like i don't i don't think this is gonna do anything to sway rockstar into eventually updating the game more or less um i think if, if if rockstar is done with the game if they've done everything they want to do with the game i i, I don't see 
them continuing to support the game after the fact simply because it's like they're done with the game maybe they're moving on to something else but it is really weird that this game even though it's very very popular red dead 2 is one of those popular games from from the from last year and it's definitely one of those games that a lot of people were excited about and played a lot of um sure it has some problems but a lot of people you know looked past those problems and and they still enjoy it uh, it's, it's hard to believe that they are going to stop supporting this game, but they're still going to support GTA 5 into the next generation. It's just it's really weird. Um, but I can understand why people are upset. You know, obviously you, you paid money for this game, you love the game, you want to see it continuing the, the go on, but yeah, it, it's one of those things that's like, if Rockstar doesn't want to, then they just won't. That's, that's, the, that's the bottom line. Yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't even think it's, I think it's just about a year old now, maybe a little bit more. So, yeah, came out the same year as God of War, so that was two years ago then, two years ago. Um, because everyone was so upset that God of War won Game of the Year and not Red Dead 2, but it's like, yeah, but I didn't like Red Dead 2, but I like God of War. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Alright, let's move on. So, um... Nintendo, uh, so Limited Run had a little presentation, had a live stream, where they announced a bunch of new, uh, Nintendo Switch games that are going to be getting a physical release, and I just wanted to kind of go through the, the, um, the list with you guys. So there's a mix of new and old games. So starting off, there's two Shantae games. So there's Shantae, the original Shantae game, and then there's also Shantae Risky's Revenge. The Mummy Demastered, which came out pretty recently is getting a physical edition. Extreme Sports, which I think is a game that was on the Game Boy? Yeah, it was on Game Boy Color. That's that's going to be getting a Switch release. Uh, the Red Dead... No, that was Red Dead 1, Chaz. Red Dead 1 got the Undead Nightmare, which was amazing. But they didn't do anything like that for Red Dead 2, which is another reason why I don't like it. This one's for Callus. Callus Castlevania Anniversary Collection is coming in fall of 2020. Physical limited run games. Bloodstain also for Callus. Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2 is two to be determined, but it's gonna be coming. Mighty Gunvolt Burst, the 20th of August. Grand Grandia HD collection on the 7th of August. Katana Zero, that's a big one. Coming out in later in 2020. I love that game. To the Moon in 2020, that's supposed to be coming physically. Return of Ob Obra Din on the 24th 24th of July. Towerfall Ascension is coming soon, 2020. It says quarter three, so that's got to be soon. Super Meat Boy Forever is to be determined, but that's a pretty cool physical release. This is for both PS4 and Switch. I'm sorry, I apologize. I, I read that wrong. Samurai Jack Battle Through Time is also getting a physical edition, along with Trover Saves the Universe, Pixel Junk Eden 2, Bug Fables, The Everlasting Sapling, which is another game that I really want to play, Demon Turf, Carry On, Gris, Mega Dimension, Neptunia 7, Observer, The Friends of Ringo Ishikawa, Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, and that's it. So that's a lot of games that they released, that they're going to be releasing physical. Um, it's, a lot, it's a good mix of games too. You got some Japanese games in there, you got some old school games in there, um, you have some new games in there, you have some classic games in there. Um, you have some really good indie games from last year, and you have some new games that are not out yet that's going to be coming out, too. Uh, I need to play Trover Save the Universe. It looks stupid but funny. You know, I watched someone play through the game, and they hated it. So I, I'm kind of iffy on buying it. 
But that's all the limited run games that are be coming out in the next year for both. It's, it looks like most of them are coming out for both Switch and PS4. There might be a few Switch exclusives like the Shantae games, I think, are going to be Switch ex and Xbox One exclusive. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see on those. Also, Nintendo has officially revealed the LEGO NES console, which will launch next month. This looks pretty funny. So essentially, LEGO is partnering with Nintendo once again to make a set based off of the old Nintendo Entertainment System. It's going to come with an, with an NES, a controller, a cartridge, and a t old school TV with a still picture of Mario from Super Mario Brothers. <sighs> In a press release, it says that the, that it's going to be priced at two hundred and twenty-nine dollars because it's a, I mean, it's a full-scale replica of the NES and controller. A TV, on the other hand, is a little small. But anyways, in a press release, they say the brick-built NES is packed with realistic details, including an opening slot for the game pack with the loading function and a controller with a connecting cable and plug. The console comes with a buildable retro TV featuring a flat 8-bit Mario figurine on a scrolling screen. Plus an action brick to scan with Lego Mario, figure not included. So he reacts to the on-screen enemies, obstacles, and power-ups, just like in Super Mario Bros. So that's kind of actually... Okay, so I know that's a little overpriced, but that actually might be worth it. You have a full-scale Nintendo Entertainment System with an open with an openable slot to put in a game cartridge. And you have a TV that you can rotate the little lever on the side of it, as you see in this picture, that'll actually scroll Mario. You can actually have Mario scroll through the game. That's kind of cool. That's really neat. And you can also load the game cartridge into the game as well. The buttons, I don't think the buttons are going to press in, but there is, like I said, there's like a little crank on the side of the TV to, to move it. So that's actually really cool. Let's watch this little, little video here showcasing it. Oh, you're not supposed to blow into the cartridge. That's actually written on the, on the, uh, in the manual. So yeah, essentially you can control Mario and there it is, you, you, can, you put the thing on the little rotating thing and you can control Mario while he goes through the level. So that's really cool. I think that's really cool. And essentially, like I said, you can put the Mario figure from the new Mario series and it'll actually react to what he's doing on the screen. So yeah, like I said, it's a little bit pricey. Um, so it's, it's a $230 American. Or 209 or 210 pound but it's a I mean I think that's kind of what worth it especially if you're a collector of Nintendo items really cool really neat maybe they'll do more of these like an SNES one and N64 a GameCube one who knows who knows all right Horizon Forbidden West writer John Gonzalez has actually exited Guerrilla Games so, I'm thinking he left because he was done with the writing for the game, obviously. The story is written out. It's, I mean, they're pretty much in the final phase of this game, obviously. Um, but he also wrote Fallout New Vegas, and he played a massive role in the original Horizon Zero Dawn. In addition to that, Gonzalez is the title's overarching... He wrote the title's overarching lore. He wrote about 90% of the main quest and served as an editor to the other writers. He also contributed to heavily to the development for the title's forthcoming PS5 sequel, which is, of course, Forbidden West. His resume reads, Created the game story and major characters, designing the narrative flow of the main quest beat by beat. Collaborated intensely with design to unite narrative and gameplay and with art to realize the game's new tribes and key locations. Wrote key cinematics conversations and other content. 
With a follow-up due in 2021, it's likely that Gonzalez has completed all his work on Horizon Forbidden West, um, and he's just moving on to another place to continue his career. He spent over seven years in Amsterdam working with uh, Guerrilla Games, and now he's moving on to a different different company, which uh, is called Crossfire. It's a new studio that was founded by a South Korean creator. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully he gets um, some nice, some new work. And he, he his writing is, is good. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, the writing is a little bit predictable. The story is a little bit predictable in that game. Um, but we'll see how this game works out. Um, obviously, he's a good writer. He, he made a really great story, uh, even though it was a little predictable, like I said. Um, so we'll see how Forbidden West is. And this is probably his last guerrilla game. Um, and we'll see what happens in the future of his career. So that was uh, John Gonzalez, who uh, was used to work at Guerrilla Games. And uh, he's moving on to Crossfire, which is a new Korean-developed, or Korean-created, South Korean-created development studio. Alright, we have officially, uh, we have a new officially licensed Switch controller with motion controls and mappable buttons included. Let's take a look at the trailer for it. It has comfortable wireless gaming, Bluetooth gaming, wherever you play, at home, on the go. Looks like it also can be plugged in with a rechargeable battery for up to 20 hours of gaming, on-the-fly button mapping, nano-enhanced wireless controller for Nintendo Switch, gray and neon. So it looks like a really nice controller. I think that the color of the, of the controller is really weird. It has like blue and red from like the normal Joy-Cons for the trigger buttons and the joysticks. It just looks kind of weird in that aspect. And it also, if you look at it, it kind of looks like a toy. <laughs> um, but it is interesting. This is the first Switch Pro controller that has buttons on the back of it that you can map. So that's going to be a game changer for the Fortnite community. <laughs> so what's the official features of, the, of this controller? Uh, it has a wireless Bluetooth 5.0 technology, motion controls included, so you can actually play Mario Odyssey without having to hold the Switch. Um, also, uh, it features advanced gaming buttons for the fly on-the-fly button mapping, compact er 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 ergonomic shell with standard-sized buttons and controls, Switch system buttons, obviously, left-right soldier trick, oh, of course, two precision-turned analog sticks, eight-way plus D-pad, uh, Nintendo ABXY button layout, LEDs for player number, mapping, button mapping, and low battery warning. Uh, excuse me. 600 mAh internal rechargeable battery for the 20 hours of gameplay. Officially licensed for Nintendo and Switch and Nintendo Lite, and it has a two-year limited warranty. So if you're interested in that, that's going to be launching soon, and the retail price is going to be $50. So it's actually kind of the same, uh, the same price as the other Pro Controller, too. Um, so that's interesting. So if you want to check that out, you can. If you're a big competitive gamer, that might be for you. We're out of water, guys. Uh-oh. All right. So Codemasters has confirmed Dirt Five is going to be a is going to have a free PS5 upgrade option, and it has some returning modes to the series as well. Let's take a look at the new trailer that they launched for this. There's a few people who are fans of the Dirt series in the chat and, and that, I, that I know. Um, me personally, never really been a fan of it. I was more of a fan of, um, uh, there was another Dirt-type game that came out. 
So obviously the graphics look really nice, um, and there's 10 new locations to race in. You see like the dirt effects and particle effects and stuff like that. Ooh, that's a, that looks really nice there. <laughs> looks like there's going to be incredible car variety. Uh, it looks like there's going to be a bunch of different editing options as well. Photo mode is also going to be included, which is like something that should be included in every game now. Um, hold on. Thrilling online action. So it's going to be online, of course, to the game where you can race against other people or you can do local co-op as well, local split screen. Up to four players, it looks like, for the local co-op. Gim Kahana returns. I'm not sure what that is. Maybe it's a drifting challenge? I don't know. That, that looks like a drifting challenge kind of mode. That looks kind of interesting. Dirt 5. Pre-order now. It comes out October 9th, 2020. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty good. I'm not a huge fan of, like, these kind of racing games. But it, Codemasters officially came out and said the, that um, the 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 uh, there's going to be a free upgrade for the PS5 version if you buy a PS4 copy, and I think the same thing for Xbox as well. So that's pretty nice of them. And I think I mean really this generation to the next generation. Right now, every single game that is going to be cross generation should have a free upgrade. Okay, they need to stop with this. Oh, you, if you buy it digital, you, you have to buy another digital copy for PS5. No, no. Upgrade it for free. Show us that you fucking care and upgrade these games for free because it's the right thing to do. When the, when the last generation crossed over, there were some games that were, that were like, hey, pay $5. It's like, fine. But, but for free, it's just, you can't, I mean, they're making enough money already, guys. Come on. Fuck it. But that is nice of dirt and the new modes look kind of cool. All right, we're kind of getting into some new games, uh, new game trailers. Uh, this is just a update to a Kickstarter that we talked about a few episodes ago called Curse of the Sea Rats. It is actually um, smashed its, camp its Kickstarter campaign. It will now sail onto the Switch in 2021. So it achieved its goal in just nine hours, and Player 2 is raiding with a party of eight. Acht. Acht. Wow, thank you so much, Player 2, for the raid. You're too kind. Welcome in, Player 2. Mrs. Scyther, Vex exists. Thank you for the host as well, Vex. Uh, Zesticon, thank you for the, for joining us in the raid as well. I do appreciate it. And there's the man of the hour, Player 2. Oh my, oh my god. How hot is he? He's so dreamy. That... That's right, Player 2. I have copied your voice mod. Alright. So now I can be Player 2 anytime I want. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I love this voice mod thing, though. You're right. It's very good. Thank you for the raid, Player 2. How was your stream? Did you beat Amnesia? Or are you having Amnesia and forgetting already? Um, so, uh, back to the article at hand for a minute. Um, so, Curse of the Sea Rats has officially funded... It did 16, it did 100, 1,600% over, so it got 15,000 pound or euro in just under nine hours. 
and it did uh, it ended up with 1600 percent reaching all of its stretch goals thanks to the support of over 6,000 backers it was able to get 242,395 uh euros which roughly is 275,000 doll hairs it's going to be a hand-drawn metroidvania featuring local four-player co-op and it will be released on multiple platforms including switch and ps playstation and xbox and steam in the first half of 2021 i of course am very um invested in this game just look at that art style looks so good but it is just it's a really cutesy game um so yeah well i'll be looking forward to that in the future we beat the goddamn game and i got two endings Ooh, look at you wait till you hear the story i'll wait <laughs> congratulations for beating amnesia player two and it's all about amnesia. <laughs> uh, so Creeks, we talked about Creeks last stream. Um, it did get a reveal date for for the game's release, and it's going to be released on the 22nd of July, 2020. So that's really the only that's the new news right there. That's 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 all I got for that. Uh, Creeks is like a 2D side scroller where lights. If you turn on a light, it turns the monsters into regular. Um, like daily objects like a dresser or a lamp or a coat hanger stuff like that. It's a really interesting concept I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing this one um, So we'll be I'll be checking that out when it comes out and like I said that comes out the 22nd of July 2020 That's right. Chaz thank you for the host. I do appreciate it. Come here, bud. Come on up Oh Just for you, just for you, player two, just for you. Basically, I forgot how to push and got the shite ending twice, which totally didn't trigger everyone so bad, and I totally CBA for the third ending. <laughs> oh, poor P2. Oh, poor P2. Oh my gosh. Your hair is looking lovely. I'm doing good, and Randy is doing well too. Isn't that right, Randy? He's a good. He is a good boy. I'm here he, to chew ass and kick bubble gum, and I'm all on ass. ass. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So there's a new 8-bit game coming out, side scroller, coming to the Switch, and I believe other in Steam uh, on July 21st, 2020. Let's take a look at that. Can I get an exclamation point, Randy, in the chat, please? So it says, "Hailing from the dark depths." Ravenous Great Prince of the Netherworld, Commander of the Eleven Legions. Unleashing his demonic hordes upon the earth in war against mankind. Kind of reminds me of the messenger. Take up arms and defend the earth on July 21st. Paladin. Panzer Paladin. There was no gameplay. What are they doing? What are they, what? That's a terrible reveal. There's no gameplay at all in that. The art style looks nice. Like I said, it looks kind of like... um. Um, the, uh, the messenger in that aspect. Alright, so let's, let's, uh, here's the gameplay trailer. Okay, let's, let's watch the gameplay trailer. Here we go. One down. So, it looks like you're gonna be playing, like, you're gonna be jumping into suits of armor. Use your sword. Looks like there, it's, it kind of looks like a Mega Man style game. Looks like it's got like a Mega Man vibes to it. There's a lot of weapons you can switch between. Use your agility. So it looks like there are sections where you get out of your suit and do platforming and stuff like that. 
and then you get back into your suit. So that's kind of interesting. Looks like there's a leveling up system, of course. Looks like there's a Medusa boss for some reason. What is this, Dark Souls? Unleash the power of the cutting edge technology. Warning. Yeah, it looks, I mean, it looks kind of fun. Um, I think that there are... I think it has like a Shovel Knight slash Mega Man vibe to it, which is a good thing, of course. Um, all in all, uh, kind of interesting. I don't know if I'll pick that up right away, but I'll definitely look into it. And like I said, it's coming uh, on the Switch and, and, and the Steam. So it features an engaging action platformer with fun and intuitive swordplay. Take control of Grit, the mighty paladin power armor, or eject as a fl as a and play as Flame, the small but swift squire pilot. Robots meet demons, crush the forces of the occult with the power of cutting-edge technology, over 100 melee weapons to seize from enemies. Use weapons profusely, wield, throw, or shatter them. Snap a weapon in half to cast a powerful, sp a powerful spell. Slash, bash, and thrust your way through 17 mind-blowing levels and carefully crafted 8-bit graphics. So if you want to check that out, you can. Next up, we have a Wipeout-inspired shooter called Lost Wing. Let's take a look at this. Coming from Box Frog. Oh, that, I mean, it looks kind of interesting. It's, um, speed your way through action pack levels. So, essentially what it is, it's it's a, it's a an endless shooter-type game, kind of. And you, you're kind of going through the different... You know, you're flying through different obstacles. Uh, graphically, looks kind of interesting. Kind of reminds me of that audio surf game, except you're playing, like, you're actually shooting things and enemies and stuff like that. Blast, turbo, and precision. Oh my god, look at the big oh. minis. Jesus. Thank you for the 200 bits. Yes, this is the last stream in the in the condo. It will be, it, it officially will be the last stream in the condo, officially. Which is pretty exciting. So, yeah, I mean, this game, it looks, uh, looks like, it looks really interesting. It looks like there's a few boss fights in there. It's coming out pretty much every single system. Um, so if you want to check that out, it looks kind of interesting for sure. Yeah, it doesn't look, it doesn't look bad at all. Um, what are some of the features of this game? Three worlds, four types of tracks, several different difficulty modes, and infinite hours of gameplay. Feel the adrenaline rush at intense speeds and slow down time when it's getting a little too close for comfort. High definition, neon sci-fi atmosphere. Unlock multiple ships and upgrade them with power-ups. Show your might and destroy the mega bosses. Compete against other players online on leaderboards and focus the acceleration-infused original economic ele electronic soundtrack. Well, there we go. Thank you once again, the Greedy Waffles, for the 200 bit of Roonies. Do appreciate that. Alright, so there's a new super hot game coming called Mind Control Delete, which is coming to the PS4. And if you're an owner of the original game, you will get it for free. So essentially, it's like a, uh, a big DLC, right? It's a standalone DLC. I loved Super Hot when it originally came out. I got the Platinum Trophy on it. I'm actually one of the first people who got the Platinum on the game. And I can prove it on PlayStation Trophies. Um, it's a really fun, addictive game. Um, you can slow down time, stop time, stuff like that. This, I'm not sure what the heck this is. There's, there's no gameplay or anything like that, but it is already out. Or it's coming out tomorrow, I should say. It's coming out tomorrow. Um, so they didn't really give anything away. It looks like there's a few new things happening in this game. Like there was a disc you could throw and stuff like that. 
Um, but this is a brand new game build, which will, which will offer dozens of hours of gameplay, much less linear levels, and you're going to make your way through various stages, encountering new enemy types, using new weapons, and exploring new power-ups. So that comes out tomorrow. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Super Hot. The VR version is really cool. The regular version is really cool. And uh, this version uh, might, be, might be more of the same, but it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay, so Fall Guys. Actually, the Devolver Direct came out, and there's actually a free game on Steam that you can download called uh, the Devolver... Um, what's it called? Devolver something. I forget what it, exactly what it's called. Uh, but it's a free game, and you pretty much go through like an E3 type thing, and it shows off new games and stuff like that coming from Devolver Digital. As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of Devolver Digital. Loved them for a while now. And uh, the Battle Royale party game called Fall Guys is going to come to all consoles and stuff next month. You actually pre-order it right now. So it's coming to the uh, on the 4th of August 2020. As I said, they didn't they didn't really have an announcement for it, uh, a, a release date for it before this, and now they finally do. It's a 60-player type Battle Royale game, but it's not really Battle Royale. You go through obstacle courses, you, you weave through things, and you try to be the guy to get to the end first. So it's a really cool concept, and I'm glad that it's coming so soon. Let's just take a look at that trailer. Obviously, it's a really cutesy-looking game. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm sold on it. I am sold on it. But it looks really fun. 60 players down to one for one winner. So it looks like they're showing off different modes here. It looks like there's one where you collect eggs or something like that on different teams, kind of like Hungry Hungry Hippos. There's another one where it's like just survive in this one area and not get hit by the thing. Of course, there's a lot of customization in the game. Mostly they've shown off a lot of the obstacle courses, which are showing off right now, which is the main crux of the game. Um, so you're gonna go through these obstacle courses. If you get hit, you're out. If you don't get hit, you keep the move, you get to keep moving on. But yeah, it looks really fun. Um, I, I can't wait for this. This is definitely gonna be one of those get you must have type games for the end of this generation. Fall Guys. And if you pre-order it on Steam, you get the Gordon Freeman skin for free. Exclusive outfit. There you go. So that looks really fun. That really does look really fun. I can't wait for that. And actually, PS4 players are getting a free skin as well. Um, there's going to be a very exciting news for you in the coming weeks. So, maybe, so actually, maybe it's going to be a skin. Maybe it's going to be something else. But I'm thinking it's going to be a free skin for PlayStation Plus people. Um, it's going to be very spicy. We have a very spicy announcement coming to PS4 fans this week. They haven't revealed what it is yet, so next time we do the podcast, we will talk about that. Uh, but that's kind of... It's cool that they're doing like something exclusive for each console, for each system, for each platform, I should say. Um, so we have yet to see anything for Xbox, though, or Switch. But we have already seen Gordon Freeman for PC, and maybe we'll see like a special character from... Um, the PlayStation lineup, like maybe we'll have like a God of War costume or a Nathan Drake costume or a Ratchet and Clank or something like that, you know, that'll be pretty interesting for the Xbox, maybe like a Gears of War theme. Um, I'm trying to think of other exclusives for the Xbox Halo, you know, maybe something like that for the Switch, maybe like Mario characters, um, you know, Splatoon, something like that, you know. All right, let's move on to Ghost of Tsushima, which is getting a launch trailer. It's actually coming out this week, July 17th. I'm definitely going to be getting it. They And this is the new release trailer for the game. I swore to protect this island with my life. I hope uh, she Never keeps improving in health effects. I really do. 
So it looks like they're showing off more of like kind of like the maybe more story things. Obviously, we got a lot of um, free free play gameplay right now. This game looks really impressive, and a lot of the reviews for the game have come back very positive. I have not seen one negative review yet, but of course the game hasn't been released yet officially, so you know you know you don't want to you don't want to you know judge it by the early reviews, you know. But it looks like it's going to be a very intense, very cool game, and that that now that's what I'm talking about. Oh boy, look at that! Holy shit! Jesus. Uh, yes, Roger, Roger. Um, I, I just, just, I just, I really want this game right now, please. Thank you. Jesus. So yeah, that's Ghost of Tsushima. Um, you, it's okay to have Yay! an erect penis right now, okay? Just saying. Even the women in the chat, it's okay. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna be in that probably day one. Um, and uh, I'll be playing it on my own time. I'm probably gonna play that more than Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> and finally I saved the best for last guys Shadow Warrior 3 new gameplay reveal trailer I've already watched it it's fucking amazing yeehaw well howdy stranger ah! Wang where are you can you hear me Wang is back and hey, better than ever trying to break through the gates I'll track you down So, in, in, so Shadow Warrior 2 was a big leap for the series. Um, it, it introduced the more open world type thing, which was fine, but I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it as much as uh, Shadow Warrior 1. This game looks like it's going to be more of, uh, it's going to have more linear stuff in it. There's obviously, this is a boss fight right there. That's fucking awesome. There's another boss fight right here. Look at that. That is so fucking cool. Here's an enemy right here, big ogre-looking guy. Here's the grappling hook mechanic. It's got like a, it's got Doom-flavored executions, but they look really fucking awesome. They really do. So I'm, re I'm really glad they took that from Doom. I really am. That look at that, look at that sword gameplay. Come on, how are you guys not shitting yourselves right now? Look at this, tearing his fucking skull out of his face, turning on a fucking saw blade to kill a bunch of enemies. Like, how are you guys not losing your minds? Shadow Warrior 3. That is so fucking awesome. That is so fucking awesome. I cannot wait. I love Shadow Warrior. The Shadow Warrior games are amazing. They really, really are. Um, and this game looks like it's going to be more of that amazing content. There's a few things layered on top of it. The graphics look mm, bellissimo. I don't know what else to say. It just looks really, really cool. And you know what? Uh, Roger, Roger, Houston, and I really want this game right now. Please send it directly to me so I may come all over it. And Houston's like, come back, Yummy. Uh, we uh, did you just say you wanted to come on something? And I'm like, and I'm like, yes, I, I really do want to come all over Shadow Warrior Three and Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, you, you can go ahead and send them right to me. You want to play a game? <laughs> yes. All right. So that's that. That's everything, guys. I saved the best for last. And that was the best. Um, so, 
yeah, I'm need, needless to say, I'm very excited for this rest of the year in gaming. I don't know about you guys, but uh, we have two really impressive games coming and a lot of other games that look fun as well. And as you guys know, with the new with the rest of this year is going to be a big change for me personally. I just want to personally thank everyone who has helped support the channel up until this point. And, and obviously, we're not ending like we're not ending streaming forever, guys. But I will be gone for a little bit less than a week. And I'm, I'm, I'm like I said at the beginning of the stream, probably Monday is when I'm going to start to come back with streaming. Um, like I said earlier, streaming on Saturdays, we're going to be streaming for a lot longer on Saturdays. So look forward to that because I won't have to go anywhere to do my laundry. I really, I really won't have anything to do on Saturdays. Um, and then during the week are going to be normal, but, uh, we are moving officially. We are moving on Friday. No ifs, ands, or buts so far. We signed paperwork today. We're probably going to sign more paperwork, uh, within the week and we're going to move into our new place. And, uh, next time you guys see me, I will be in my new streaming room. Not finished, of course, but we'll get there. There's a few things that I want to print out and put on the walls, like Odom's uh, very generous 50k drawing of me. I also found this really cool Dark Souls artwork that I want to get as well. Um, but like I said, I really just want to thank you everyone for supporting me, for all the gifted subs, for all the bits, for all the hosts, for all the follows, for all the people who are just here in general in the streams, just making my life happy. You know, work sucks. You all know it. I get home and I stream and I feel 100% better. That's just how it always works. Um, so I really appreciate it. Also, thanks to everyone who's been supporting the YouTube channel for years now, the Twitch channel. Like I said, I'm not leaving. You know, I'm not I'm not ending streaming forever. But it is going to be a little difficult being away from streaming for so long because I've been doing it with a pretty tight schedule for a, for since I since we started Twitch. You know, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird little thing to not stream for a little while. But I will be back uh, Monday at the earliest, Wednesday at the latest. Um, is what I'm thinking. Um, big thanks to Greedy Waffles for the 200 bits today. Big thanks to Player2P2 for the raid today. Really appreciate it. Thank you to Chaz, Vex, and Chronoside for the hosts. Thank you to Timster and SGTV Seattle for the follows today. I really appreciate it as well. Um, so once again, guys, I will see you probably Monday. Probably not earlier than that. We're going to be doing a lot of work. Um, but I will be seeing you guys Monday, uh, or maybe Monday at latest Wednesday, like I said. Um, and I hope you guys have a great weekend. I'll be in the Discord. I'll be around. Um, but just to let you guys know, probably we'll be in and out. If you guys want to join the Discord, if you haven't already, it's a great little place full of lots of fun. Um, you can do exclamation point Discord to get the link for that. Um, you can keep up with me, keep up with the streams. You can just chat with us. Um... If you're, if you're nice enough, you can uh, join the Ferret Squad, which will give you a notification when I go live. Because I don't do at everyone, and I don't post in other people's discords anymore. It's just a personal thing that I do, because I feel like it doesn't really help anyways. But I did make the Ferret Squad for the people who want the notifications, so that I'm not adding everyone and stuff like that. You can also vote in Discord polls for games that I play. The next vote is going to be all of our, our Twitch subscribers only. That's right. Our Twitch subscribers are going to choose what franchise we are going to be playing after Freedom Finger. So that means if they vote for Far Cry, the Far Cry series, we're going to be playing through all the Far Cry games minus 5 and New Dawn because we already played through those. If they vote for all the Bat for the Batman series, we'll, we'll finish all the Batman series and etc. etc. So if you want to, make sure you join 
the Discord and join into the Twitch sub chat when that comes live if you are a Twitch sub. If you're not, I appreciate you anyways. It's not all about that. I appreciate you giving your time, being here with me, giving your bits, or giving nothing. It doesn't matter to me. As long as you're here, your time is the most valuable thing to me because you could be watching someone else. Maybe you are watching someone else at the same time, but it doesn't matter to me. As long as you're here, I'm happy and I appreciate it. There are people who go above and beyond, and I do appreciate them too. But I just want to let you guys know, even though I thank all my sub my subscribers and people who do stuff regularly, don't think that I don't I don't appreciate you as well. And also, I really appreciate all the people who lurk as well. The people who lurk also help the channel out a lot too. It, 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 I really do appreciate it. So, from the bottom of my stinking ferret heart, thank you so much to everyone, and I will see you guys, of course. Hopefully on Monday. Hopefully on Monday. Let's go ahead and find... We're going to just go ahead and raid... Justly Belmont. We're going to go ahead and raid Justly Belmont. Uh, if you want to stick around for that, hashtag is Ferret Raid. If you have the Randy or Hard emotes, make sure you spam those in the chat. I always appreciate that. Okay. So, once again, thank you to everyone um, for being here. Super special thanks to all the people who showed up today. Chaz, Player2, Vex, Mrs. Scyther, Coco Gamer, Punisher, Greedy Waffles, Just Callus, Chronoside. Uh, did I say Player2? I'll say Player2 again just because he's so cute. Um, Marie and um, Zest Zesticon. Thank you so much, everyone. I will see you guys next time. I'm Yummy the Ferret. And uh, new closing, who dis? Thank you guys. <laughs> <laughs>